Oh, it's great to be here on my latest podcast with Peter McDonald. Hi, Peter. How are we doing, Don? Okay? Aye, very good. Very good. So, uh, great to speak to you. I know it's, it's, uh, been, you've been the first person on since Gary. So, uh, remember, I spoke yeah, to Gary good. Gibson a few weeks ago, and then... Uh, I'm, not, I'm not really following much, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be listening to this. You'll be listening to this. Okay. So, so, it's been great to have you on here. I've got all the, hopefully all the equipment I find, uh, when um, running now. So... Peter, I know you're working, we'll come on to this later, but I know you're um, working with BASE doing the football consultant. And, and it sounds like kind of great work you're doing there and, and the organisation does. So we'll come on to that later on. But I'd love to hear about your journey as a, as a young boy into football. Did you always love football? Yeah, from, from yeah. two-year-old. My, my mum and Nat were told me I couldn't get a ball away from my feet. That was oh, yeah. all I wanted to do. Kick the ball, kick the ball, kick the ball. Uh, and gradually, just as you obviously you got older, uh, yeah. nothing changed, and probably say nothing's changed to this day, apart from oh. my body can't my body can't cope with it anymore. Oh, but I, you're saying that, but you were telling me before we all, before we flicked on uh, to record there that you must be doing about forty kilometers a day walking, are you? <laughs> I about twenty five. Twenty five. Six days a week usually. Uh, five six days a week. So. But that's that's needed. That's for the, the oh. retirement. You put on a stone as soon as you retire, don't you? Oh. So, and, and have uh, you just retired there? You said you just retired in the, the summer. Retired oh, in the summer. summer. Uh, just, just shy of my 40th birthday. Oh. Uh, I think my body was sort of telling me, I could have played another year, I think. Uh, yeah. But again, you spoke about regarding joining CAA base that yeah. I had to go throw myself right into my new job. And that's why I retired as well. Yeah. So. That must have been a hard decision, though, was it? It was, it was, but again, time stands still for no man. Mm. Uh, my body, I've had nine operations in my right knee, 17 in total, I think, all over my body. I've been battered and bruised, uh, and I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm leaving the job I love, mm. or the hobby, which I get paid for, yeah. uh, to go into something new, so... Again, football, I gave my all and everything. Everything when I went part-time, full-time, whatever. So I've got to give my all in this new, this new job. Uh, and that's why I thought it was the best decision to retire and uh, come away from everything else and, and focus on this new role. Yeah. Do you think, uh, because uh, like when you're just even speaking to you there, your whole life's been football. Did you see that when you were... Was it? Did you always want to be a footballer as a young boy? Always, always. I think it got to the stage where... I'd probably six or seven, and uh, my uncles started a team in, in where I'm, I'm from, yep. Paul, yep. Uh, called Hillwood Boys Club, which are a fairly famous team, and they started in 1966. Right. And that was always a team I was going to go to because my mum's six brothers were all managers at it at different ages and different levels. Yep. So, cut a long story short, I got along at seven year old for a trial. Uh, a trial, really, when your family's the, the coach that you're yeah. you fail. And before you knew it, uh, I was playing. I started off at a right, as a right-back. And that was me. I stayed the whole way until I was 14 before things started to really develop and when I became, you know, a talent, as you say. Yeah. Uh, but it all started at Hollywood Boy, Boys Club. And from what you were saying there, Pizzo, is it, your family must have been a huge influence in, in, in football and at, from an early age. And you must have just been surrounded by football, were you? 
yeah, it, it, it's funny enough. When I when I was born for the first eighteen months to a year, uh, I lived with my my nana. Yeah, uh, with my mum and dad while they were, uh, they were buying a house. So the meeting point for all the Hillwood teams at the time was my nana's house because oh, the way it was shaped, it was like in a a big U, but it had a big garden. So the boys would sit in the garden, and I would just kick around a two year old from two year old and kick the ball and. They would be kicking with it, and you know what it's like when you're a young yeah. kid, you're infatuating, you're yeah. side to side, and that's where this, this, this sort of went from. So mm-hmm. that had a big, a big part to play, uh, and obviously helping me with my uncles being co- uh, the coaches and ex players at Hollywood. So, and would you say up until I know it sounds as if you were just surrounded by footballing influences? So up until fourteen or so, who were the who would you say or could you pick able to pick out who were the main influences on your football development? Uh, my my mum and dad. My, yeah. my mum, uh, she she would. <laughs> funny to say it though, but she would make sure we were up early in time for yeah. kick off for the games, the meeting points. Whereas yeah. maybe my dad would maybe sleep in. But my dad had to do the driving. My dad was a uh, the man who who never pushed me. Never yeah. ever. Uh, he just made sure I got there. Yeah. He wouldn't speak to me much about my performances. Because I, th- I think you get to an age of 12 year old, you sort of know if you were good or bad. Mm. Uh, uh, but he would never force anything on me. Uh, he was a coach, one of the coaches at the team. And it got to the stage with 12 year old, I was I was training like with Hearts, Rangers, yeah. getting offered to go to loads and loads of clubs. Uh, and before you know it, I'd left Hullwood and, and agreed to sign a schoolboy form, an S form at the time with, with, with Rangers. Yeah, and that must have been just up the road from you at that point. Where were you training with uh, Ranger? Uh, across the in the complex, across yeah. the stadium, Ibrox yeah. complex. We were yeah. there. I think we were Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. Yeah. Sure. Uh, and at the time, it was it was different at the time because mm-hmm. you only train three times a week, but you could still train with your boys' club. Yeah. And the, you played your boys' club on the weekend. The time you came together with your Rangers, the, the select boys, the, the S forms were. Uh, Holidays for the mm. Easter Easter weeks, October weeks, uh, summer. You, you go for tournaments, mm. uh, and that's when you play your games with Rangers. Then, so mm. it wasn't the, the academy sort of environment where you're you're constantly in there. You, yeah. you are. It was boys' club. Then it, it made you. I probably say it made you want to go to iBooks more. Mm. We are buzz about it because yeah. you weren't here as often as what the academy kids are now. Yeah. You know. And what was it like signing that S form? For Rangers, I, I, I always remember it. I, I I was asked to say I'm going to put people in people in the the, the doghouse here, but I'd sort of agreed at twelve year old to to sign. Mm. Uh, a sort of unwritten rule. Uh, yeah. the coach at the time, not a coach, sorry. Yeah, the coach at the time, John Chalmers, God rest him, who's mm. who's no longer here with us. Uh, and the scout was a guy called Billy Marshall, who's mm. still at the club. He yeah. left, yeah, come back, Billy. Uh, they said, listen, we want Peter to to come on board, uh, sign an S form when the time's right. I know it's a year and a half out, but would you would you want to do it? And me me being Rangers mad and mm. family being Rangers Rangers mad, it was a it was a no brainer because I really did love my time there anyway. Yeah. So I'd sort of signed that, that deal eighteen months out. So when the time came to sign the S form contract, uh, I did it like the year and a half before, so it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, but it was still still a great honour and achievement to, to be uh, the rest for. Do you remember? Do you remember the time when you would first go to Ibrox to play 
then when you would go to Rangers to be? Can you still remember that time? I can still remember it clear as day, yeah. yeah. What would happen is Rangers would be playing at home on the Saturday mm. and we would maybe, in, in the holiday time, we would, they would arrange a game. Mm. So a lot of the times the games were in the Astro, but you'd maybe 8,000 people watching you yeah. from yeah. outside of the, of the fence. Yeah. That was that was a great buzz, and you the te- both teams, the, the the team you were playing, and the the Rangers boys would go into the game, we'd get tickets yeah. to go into the game and watch the game. So yeah. that was sort of a real buzz about it. You always wanted to play on the Astro in the complex yeah. and closer to the the probably two o'clock deadline, fin- your game finishing. So the crowd yeah. were getting there at half two. Yeah. Uh, so no, it was it was brilliant. It's really interesting, Pizzo, to think about now what you're doing now and, and what you've, you know, just retired from playing and your work, you know, at the Academy of Rangers, because you can look back and see, you know, where you were there at 14, because things have changed incredibly in the whole Academy setup. Do you look back now and contrast it to when, when you were there? Can you see a difference? Massive, massive. Yeah. Uh, the, the boys are in... A fair amount now, uh, especially the ones who are now at the McLear Academy at, at Rangers. So they're they've gotten the ball maybe three times a day, so three other sessions I think it would be, and uh, then you're talking about maybe we educational bits with we yourself, yeah. you know, and, and and some other people. Uh, but there's definitely it's different because when when I was there, I really wanted and to go to Ibrooks, you know, and it made you sort of you, you never took it for granted. Yeah, just, yeah. Whereas I don't mean this in in any to any detriment of any of the kids or, or mm. anyone. As you know, I come through the academy, yeah. coaching and things like that. Uh, but I wonder if they changed it a little bit, where they weren't always in at Murray Park, mm. they weren't always getting to certain things, Rangers games, or you know, you, you mm. maybe they wouldn't take things for granted. Yeah. I'm not saying they all do. But mm. I think there's someone was there be entitlement there, mm. you know, of, of being there, Don. Uh, but that's just the way the generations moved on. Yeah. That's, that's it. I, I I think you know I think you've got a great point, Pierre, because I think one of the thing when you're speaking about there and and not in the Ibrox the whole time or playing because I think growing up, you know, the professional football there was always a distance to it, wasn't there? As you achieve, I can imagine the your excitement and football was only even on the TV if you were lucky once a week, wasn't it? That's that's right. That's mm-hmm. right. And Rangers at the time were getting to a lot of cup finals. Yeah. Uh, so as a an S form yeah. from under twelve to the full time boys mm-hmm. all the way up to the reserves, get took to all the cup finals in the bus. Oh, Went back so to right. Ibrooks, had a party. So I've got photos of me at twelve year old with with Coiste, you know, Durante, Derek McInnes, all the legends of the game. Yeah. Uh, Walter, Archie. Uh, so it's it's some good times that you look back on. Oh, I could imagine. So, you know, when you were there and you're 14, 15, 16, who was the big influences on your game then at that point? Because you, you've gone, you know, from playing and you've got your boys club you're still doing, but you're at the academy. Who influenced your game at that point? Well, when I went in full time and even from 12-year-old, my, my hero was Koiste. Yeah. Uh, there was nobody else. Koiste was the, the man. Uh, I was a striker. Well, sorry, yeah. I was a right back, moved to left yeah. back, yeah. then went to striker when I finally signed the Rangers. And and Koiste was the, the man. Uh, well, I went in full time at 15. Uh, he was brilliant with me. Yeah. There was 
the, the sort of Glasgow boys, the local boys, and Derek McInnes was brilliant with me. Durante, Coiste, uh, Andy Gorham, and, mm. and Goffrey. That's the main ones, I would say, mm. who were really, really hands-on regarding, like, if you had an 18s game, they would know you had an 18s game the night before, and they would come and ask you, how'd you get on? What happened? Did you score? No. All right, did you, how'd you play? I did okay. Right, okay, good, keep it up. And things like that. You know, you're like, whoa, that's Coyce, you just asked me that. Or Dale McInnes just asked me that. That's a first-team player. And I'm only 16 at the time. So you're sort of still in awe. Yeah. Like, you know, even to this day, I met Coyce the other day at my, my son's football. His yeah. son trains at the same bit and I, I spoke to him for 10 minutes. And this is the last, the last month I spoke to him. But just, I'm still in awe. Coyce, the yeah. hero's your hero. You know, it's yeah. no matter how old you get, you, you sort of know your hero. You always, yeah. I always will be. And how did he, you know, because that, isn't it, that's the great privilege you have as a footballer, isn't it? You Just by speaking to someone, you can help their development and make them feel a million dollars. How did they influence, or how did Koisty influence your game? Did you watch him a lot, his movement, what he did? See, then, I probably didn't, mm. because Koisty just scored goals. Yeah. Like, it did, sorry, it did a lot more than just score goals, but as a 16-year-old, you think to yourself, oh, okay, sorry, I'll score, I'll score two today. Oh, yeah. And and sometimes that was enough to win you the game 2-0 or 2-1, you know, but you were doing enough as in a goal scoring sense, but your performances might not have been as good. Yeah. And so, but I'm thinking myself at that age at 16, going, ah, I scored two, we, won, we, we do two each, but I scored the two, it was all right. It's, always, it's just a, an, an immaturity. Yeah. And, you know, but I was pretty short and, and getting told for, for John Brown and John McGregor that you know there's more to uh, get your game and scoring goals so you need to you need to do it and that's told. a that's a great point about the striker though and just thinking right I'll score a couple isn't it because how important do you think confidence is to a striker then not just innate confidence massive massive I think uh mentality as well is is is, is a lot to do with Don because the opportunities that a striker can get and no score four opportunities in a row and to have that mentality of going I'm going to get next one keep creating the opportunities keep making the same runs you know it becomes standard that that run is the run you make across a, a, a defender and you will get a glance and you will be in the corner or you will get a glance and it'll go 10 foot over the bar it's just being consistent with what you do and having a belief that you will go onto it uh, so I think you've got a strong mindset as a, as a striker same as a goalie because the last thing you, everybody forgets your saves you make, but they'll forget the one you, you let go on under your under your arm. As a striker, if you score four in a game, but you've missed twelve, they won't talk about the twelve you, you missed. They talk about the four you scored. Uh, so you need, to have a, I think, a strong mindset uh, get into that where you're going to have fans on you, you're going to have people on your teammates on it, you saying, "Come on, you're better than that." But it's how you react it, and it's how it's how kids going forward today uh, react it. Uh, I think that's a big part of it. And I suppose that's that would have been one of Koisty's great strengths, wasn't it? He was just always there, isn't it? If he missed one, he was looking for the next one. Yeah, it's, it's just, he's made a career out of probably learning from missed chances, if you could see. Yeah. Do you think, as a striker, do you think you all, were you aware you were developing that quality then? Or do you think you have to learn it as a striker to, to always be looking for it? No, I think first and foremost, a striker when I was growing up, I had a good left foot and right foot, mm. good power. Yeah. So you, you, that's your standard basic stuff. But as you get older, 
you learn a different sort of it's not just blasting the ball because the keepers get bigger. Yeah. You know, you can't just hit the ball high into them. So you need to find a bit of a guile and, and, and find them in the corners and reverse it into the other corner, chip the goal maybe from an angle. You need to learn different finishes. Uh, but that's sort of taught in it as you as you go. Mm. Uh and of having a variety of finishes, if it be the best goals for strikers a, a, a tapping from one yard. Yeah. You know, a hundred percent tapping for one yard. Uh but having a variety of finishes is probably one of the biggest things for a striker yeah. I, I, I think personally yeah you know, not even a one-trick pony yeah I, th- I think that's really important and how so when you were at that age as was we use that term now coachable how coachable were you at that point you know 14 15 16 well I, I was coachable I, again I say see we came through with John McGregor and John yeah. Brown who, who were, were tough uh, yeah. maybe say old school mentality in a way but very, very good coaches. Yeah. Very good coaches. You know, they, they didn't stand for someone not listening. Mm. You know, you don't want to listen off a pitch. Somebody else will listen. Go, go away. So it sort of got everybody's back up going, whoa, I can't be disrespectful to Bomber or, or McGregor because they just put me off. Yeah. They'll pull me into the office and tell me it's no good enough and I'll miss training the next day mm. or else what I'll do is I'll, I'll go into the gym and stand on train. I'll do doing a session in the gym. So, I was coachable, yeah, but yeah. that was instilled, I think, through my upbringing as well. Don't mm. with, with my dad. Yeah, you know, I was always brought up to give uh, your elders respect. Mm. Whether you think they're right or wrong, do not answer an elder back. They're right. If you and that's just the way it was with, with yeah. my dad, uh, and I think that was a big part of yeah. the learning stage with the coachable stage with, with Bomber McGregor. Although there was a fear factor, yeah, it was serious, tough love. Yeah. You no, know, it's serious, tough love. But I remember growing up and thinking, Bomber's always shouting at me, always shouting at me. And Bomber put me in his office one day. He says, You think I'm always shouting at you? I says, I and I said, Die. He went, I said, and he tapped me, he went, Well, I'll tell you what. He says, The day I stop shouting at you is the day you need to worry. And he yeah. says, Where you go? And I took, and I told my dad, he went, That means that he's done me. Yeah. He's finished with you the day he stops shouting and mm. demanding of you. And it's so true because he did do it. It stopped demanding yeah. others. Yeah. He'd, he'd lost thing maybe, but uh, he, he never did to me. And I, I was grateful when I was fortunate enough at the end of my career to get uh, linked up back up with him at Dundee. Brilliant, brilliant. And what what do you think was the characteristics of the boys that came through Rangers at that point that went on to have a good career as a pro footballer? You know, compared to the boys that perhaps that was. It wasn't. I'm sure it wasn't. They didn't have ability, but it wasn't for them, or never reached the standard. Could you think there's any qualities that different people had that allowed them to be successful? Uh, I think first and foremost, and I can only speak for being at, for being mm-hmm. at Rangers with Bob and McGregor was what rate? Yeah, you didn't want to run, didn't want to try and give your all. Then you, you, that's a your talent is always going to be there. That's why you're at Rangers. Yeah. But if you've not got the basics, the fundamentals are running, working hard, you know, putting the extra maximum effort in, in a pitch or a training, then it wasn't it wasn't going to work. And we we learned that through McGregor's and Bomber's authority. Mm. As soon as I went in full time, you know, you let like, you know, come on, you're better than that, you're better than that. Mm. And it would be a raised voice. It wasn't yeah. one to one, it'd be a raised voice, which probably added another four or five runs into you. But oh no, I can't pull out now. Oh no, you know. But no, it's it was drilled into us. I must say, Don, to be fair, 
the basic fundamentals. And as you gradually did that, your ability sort of shone through. Our squad from from back in the day, a lot of them couldn't cope with, with the, the shouting and balling. A lot did. More, more. I would say more did because if I look back at the, the, the group pictures and the, the team photos, a lot of top, top players there who wanted to do very well. Uh, and there were some, some who didn't. But the ones I look at on that who didn't, weren't good enough. I don't mean disrespectful to anyone, but they weren't good enough to play Premier League or Championship, which now in Scotland. You know, but it was a couple who should have been good enough to play Premier League, but didn't have a mindset. You know, think, oh, it's always my fault, my fault. You're like, no, no. Take on board the, the info it's given you. You know, you're, you're sort of, how would you, how would you say it? Narrow-minded, closed-minded. Yeah. Yeah. Would that be right? Yeah, yeah. You know, you're like, no, no, listen to what somebody's saying to you. Take on board the constructive criticism and move on for it. Mm-hmm. And they, 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 I don't think they've seen it as constructive criticism. I think they've seen it as, a, oh, he's on my head again. Ah, he's on, personal. He's on at me. Yeah. But he's on at you for the same things. And that's when the stage comes and the time comes that Bomas can only say it so long, McGregor can only say it so long and goes, I'm done with you. But it instills in you, like you were saying there, Peter, isn't it? Such strong, and you had it right the way through your life, it seems, you know, such good values and value of work rate. And I'm sure that contributed to why you had such a long career. Is that would have become part of who you are and what you were all about? Yeah, if if, if you weren't having a good game, still be able to run about and chase defenders down or, or make runs beyond. You never know. Your run beyond might take a centre back away and leave a space for another player to go through and goal. It's just wee things like that. You never give in. That was a, a, another thing. Just still fight to the very end. Never give in. Uh, Ranger standards. It was drilled, and I mean drilled, didn't you? Yeah. Ranger standards. Even a thing, a basic thing. I did another podcast not long ago, and it was a bit a basic thing where it's a Rangers pass. It's not a bobbly pass in. It's a fun pass. Runs along the deck, so your teammate can receive it and get on the turn. A Rangers pass. That was a standard. Come on, it's a Rangers pass. And that again, even when I moved clubs and I've been away to St Johnston, things Dundee, that was always in my head. It's a Rangers pass. Give him a Rangers pass. Bang. It's, into him. it's up to him to control it and deal with it, but it's got to be on the deck and it's got to be a pa- uh, pass appreciation how you would like, uh, like to receive the ball. Yeah, that's great, isn't it? Because that's just putting high standards into you as the norm, isn't it? As the norm. You know, but it had to be because yeah. you look at the nine in a row team. Yeah. That was, that was part of the nine in a row team. You had, you had oh, top, top players, Coyster, then, then Dick came in. Uh, when Walter left, you had Mikey Moles, Flo. You know, top, top, Gabriel Amato, top, top strikers and top players all over. So if you were only going to get to that level, then it was, which a lot is, didn't he? But we got to a level where we still had a a career in the Premier League or out with. Some of the boys did manage to get to a a decent level, but after leaving Rangers. When you were in that environment, Pierre, were you aware it was... You know, you can look back now or, or even kind of look and say, talk about nine in a row and all the great players. And when you were in it, were you aware that the standard was so high that it was just a total, you know, excellence and at that point? Well, you knew, you knew. Yeah. Uh, even in under-21s when, I think I was 19, we'd, we'd won the 21s league. Uh, and that was, we were a good standard of the team, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but then you had a massive jump to even get in anywhere near the first team. Anywhere near, but they, they had endless cash. So they were buying the best. And like Mikey Moles, who was yeah. a 
another level at the time. Tory Andrew Flo was twelve million. Amato, I think, was five. Who was excellent. It's, it, it, loads of players, Jonathan Johansson, things like that. Who players who, who brought different things to, to yeah. the team. But you're thinking, going, whoa, he's he's still top notch. Yeah. But I think, like I said, a lot of players leaving to kick on again was one of the things that I did. And uh, I think if you're going to touch on it later, yeah. how it worked out well for me. Yeah, uh, well, it all started for my grounding, uh, yeah. going as the Rangers. So, talk us a little bit through then from 16 on and that, and just how your career developed then, Peter, from there, from coming through the the Rangers kind of youths and, and up forward, you're mentioning there as well, the 21s. How did it develop for you? Well, uh, again, like, I went in, in full time at 15 after yeah. I did my exams in the May. My head teacher and John Chalmers and, and Rangers made a deal where they would mark me in mm. at school, but I was already full-time at Rangers because I didn't want to... My brains were in my feet, Don. Yeah. Uh, and I wasn't very, to be honest, academic. So I, I, I said, football, full-time, sign a three-year contract. I'm sorry, at the time, it would have been a year's sort of expenses-type contract mm. thing and a four-year contract. Mm. So a two-year apprenticeship, two-year pro. Mm. Uh, I stayed... We won the 21s league. Uh, and I thought at the end of that season, I would maybe get a wee opportunity because mm. I'd scored 19 goals, scored uh, two to win the league away to Aberdeen mm. at Petaudry. But the Rangers' season was over. I think, I'm not unsure if Rangers had won the league mm. or uh, Celtic had won it. And it was like maybe three games to go, four games to go, where I thought, no, I'm going to hopefully get a wee chance here. And it never happened. Yeah. So I refused to sign my contract. Uh, Rangers offered a new two-year deal by Dick. Uh, and... I said no. Went and had a meeting with him with my agent at the time, John Viola. Uh, Stoke City tried to buy me mm. hundred and no, sorry, for fifty thousand. So Rangers wanted they said they wanted a hundred and it kept going back and forth. But Stoke said they'll give me give Rangers fifty grand up front for twenty-five games, another fifty. Mm. Twenty-five games, another fifty, so it's equal to 125. Rangers knocked it back. They wanted the, the full one fifty up front. Uh so that sort of kiboshed that. But I went in to see Dick and Dick says to me, what's the problem? I said, well, I want to play. I need to play. I'm, I'm 20 year old. If I sign a two-year deal, it'll take me to, I'm 22, almost 23. I says, he said, yeah, I want you on the bench this season. He says, that's it. And it was at the time the under 21 rule. You had mm. two under 21 mm. that could be on the bench. I had to be on the bench. And I said, I said, no disrespect to you, boss. I had to call him boss. Mm. I says, I've just seen Morris Ross Last year, we on the bench for every single game. I said, and he played, come on for 10 minutes away to Dundee. And I seen how frustrated he was coming back to the 21s to play. He said, yes, but, and he gave me a good answer. He said, yes, but strikers are always different than the defenders. Yeah. So he did. So I was like, so food for thought, when I left to think, and then uh, I said to uh, my agent, I said, you know what, I think it's time to go. I need to play. He said, it's up to you. So, cut a long story short, St. Johnson came in. That must, that must have been quite a hard decision for you, though, Pizzo, was it? Or was it, did you know you know you wanted to move? No, yeah, I don't think you ever want to move for the, the, the team you're supposed to a boy, but yeah. I thought that was my, my head drill in my heart. Mm. You know, uh, and I thought if, if I'm going to make a career in the game, then I need to go and play. Uh, I need to go and find a way. Twenty year old, hadn't played the first team game. 
and like I said, St. Mon came in, sorry, St. Johnson came in and, and spending 125 grand on someone who had to play the first team game cash up front because they just sold Momo Silla on the Tuesday to Celtic and bought yeah. me on the Friday. So uh, I remember it clear as day, pre season. Murray Park had just opened up, so we're yeah. in Murray Park. And uh, in the afternoon session, I, 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 my phone called with three missed calls, unknown number. Mobile, this is the time of the mobile phone there. Motorola Flipper at the time, I thought it was it. <laughs> so I opened it up and I looked, three missed calls, private number. Then I came out of the shower and I felt it vibrating in my pocket. So I looked at a private number and I answered it and it was Sandy Clark, okay. who was the manager yeah. at the time. And he says, hi, Peter, it's Sandy Clark here. And I was on. that's a wind up. Uh, he said, uh, would you be interested in coming to see Johnson? I said, what? He said, well, we're trying to get a dealer uh, done to buy you, but are you, would you be interested in coming? I said, yeah, of course I would. He said, right, okay, we'll try and get a deal thrashed out. As so I walked out, get dried, walked out to put my towel in the laundry. It's the same laundry we're in the day the now, the, the oh, yeah. walking up. Uh, and John McGregor's walking towards me. And he says, he said, please, well, listen, I've just said uh, Johnson on the phone. Uh, they want to buy you. Uh, so what are you thinking? We're going to give you permission to speak if you want. And I said, John, I said, what would you do? And he says, I would go, son. That's what he's worth. He says, yeah. I would go yeah. and make as much money as you can. Yeah. And before you, I signed the, the following, following day, uh, I made my debut on the Saturday. So I signed the Friday. The call, phone call I took was the Thursday, but mm-hmm. up the Friday, signed the Friday, and made my, my debut. Come on, as I still be half an hour to go against uh, Dunfermline at McDermott Park the following day. So I've went from playing 21s in front of thousand people to going to McDermott and playing in front of that day was 5,000, yeah. and a half thousand, yeah. and make my debut there. So it was, it was good. Was that a good eye? That must have been a good feeling then to yeah. make your debut. I just, just well, it was only half an hour, you know, yeah. but. It was half an hour, which I was delighted to get. And uh, I think I made my, my first start the following week against Dundee United. Yeah. And did you enjoy, did you feel, what was the difference then being going and being a, you know, a member of the first team and playing? Did you, did you feel that your game developed a lot more then? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You're playing against better players week in, week yeah. out. You know, uh, even training me, training me, Better players than, than the, the 21s at Rangers. Because yeah. uh, I went up there and first and Johnson spent 125 grand even at that time was a lot of money, but especially for a 20 year old who hadn't played any first team football. Mm. So I had in my head that I had to perform, I had to work hard, 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 give, give my all and show that it was I was tr- sort of value for money, if you yeah. get me, uh, to a certain extent where you know I'm catching the eye, I'm not just some big-time player, who, which I never would be, never was, coming for Rangers in the St. John's environment. I got the respect for, the, for the, the first team. And again, I was a kid, so I was always respecting the elders of you, mm-hmm. you know, even in the, the dressing room environment. Who was it when you went to St. Johnston then, and go forward at, at, at this point, who was, did your game develop more? Was there people coaching you differently? or How did you see your game developing as a striker? I remember being at Rangers, the sort of not the first sort of bit of coaching, but in a training game. I remember Alan McLaren mm. training with us in the in the resis, and I've got a there's a I, I should have made a run into the channel, but I, I, st- I stood still to get the ball to feet, and it was a, the wrong run, right? But I'll just say to me, say, yeah, and he, he says, 
He said, take, he said, take me down the channel. There, I said, ah, what? And he says, take me down the channel. He said, I'm a centre-back. I don't want to be out in my box. You make that run, it causes problems. It takes us somebody out of that mm, position. Yeah. And one of, your, one of your midfielders can go and fill that. He said, but I don't want, I'm, a, I'm a centre-back. I don't want to make the big 40-yard runs, 50-yard runs constantly down the channel. And it's sort of just like, well, fair enough. So in my game after that, I tried to make the channel runs more often. Oh. Uh, but when I went to St Johnston, we had like Darren Jackson, yeah. Wally Falconer, Paddy Conley, uh, young Keegan Parker at the time, yeah. who's a year younger than me. Uh, we quite a lot of experienced players. players. Mm. Yeah, uh, boy Craig Russell, who we played with uh, Sunderland, Man City. Mm. Graham Jones, who is Roberto Martinez, his assistant, was assistant to Belgium and Wigan and all the way through. So I, I had them, and you learn a lot for, for them. Jones, because I wasn't as big as, as a lot of them, it was always my my hold-up play they wanted me to work on. But physique, the physicality would always come, you know, as, as I started to grow. Uh, but that's what I, I, I sort of remember Jones just saying, take it in first, think about your, your first touch, then things will happen in about you for air, rather than just the one-touch layoffs. You know, there's got to be a time for one-touch layoffs and, and the times for taking a touch and protecting the ball. You know, I think you made, I think you made a great point as well because you're there about Alan McLaren, you know, saying to you pull me out there as a centre back because you are in the position now where you can see all the tech, all I suppose the tactical and the game knowledge young players get now. And was there a lot of informal coaching going on then between you as players at that point? Yeah, the, the older pros would always always try and coach you yeah. in, in the game. They would always try and coach you in the game. Uh, and it's, it, the the most the most bit of coaching is done is in in the training environment. Mm. If you're doing eleven v eleven, that's where a lot of it is. A, even a ninety nine game, yeah. a shorter game, this coaching points are still relevant yeah. in certain areas of the pitch. Yeah. You know, my, my good friend Jody Morris, who who went to Chelsea as a he played at Chelsea, obviously left St Johnston, yeah. back to went to Bristol, and went into Chelsea to keep fit, uh, and. He was just keeping fit playing with the 21s, I think it was, you know, until he found another club. But they asked him, listen, Jody, can we pay you to, to, to train with the kids? Yeah. Yeah. What he seen was, he was still fit and could get about the pitch, but his, his knowledge in the game situations and training, it was not just the, the sort of player he was, the older pro, was giving instruction to the younger ones. Yeah. No, no, you be here, you need to be here at that time, or why don't you go forward further there? Read things that game knowledge makes you priceless. I think that's brilliant, Peter, because isn't it? It's it's in it's actually in the game context you're coaching, isn't it? It's real. It's real. It's real. And you've been there, he's been there and done it. So I think and, and gonna get off course, but I'll get back on it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't see it for the clubs that could afford that, putting an older head in there, they don't need to run about massively, they can just to get about a bit because their voice can 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 cover for them with the other players yeah. you know and, and instruct them where they should be defensively or or what you what how you're going to get away from me as, as an opposition player yeah. if clubs could academies could afford that and put a player maybe three times a week in a player would maybe contemplate going part-time earlier yeah. doing that role with potential being a coach mm-hmm. playing part-time but his, his be all and end all would be the end game would be the coaching side of things yeah. and the, the, the kids at Rangers or Celtic or some or Aberdeen or whatever would get the benefits of someone who's been at the top level learning 
in game from him there and then, you know, and they're getting training his videos now. Yeah. So if there's anything needed drawn back, they just go, you know what, let's go into the an, uh, analysis room. This is the point I was talking about here. And you see yeah. it from above you and you see a better picture. Yeah. I so think that okay. I think that's a great I think that's a great idea because if, and even you know the young players like you you would have been at that point you listen differently, isn't it? You lif- listen differently. There's, there's some kids who, for, for me, I was one of the ones who had to be involved in a passing drill to get yeah. it. Yeah. If you explain to me A A B A D A F to Z, yeah. mum, no, so no what to do. Let's run through it. Yeah. And I'll move for A A B and then I get it in my head. Yeah. It's just that I was always that way. Yeah. There are some kids who not, some kids get it straight away, but there are some kids who were like me who yeah. don't get it. So you need to walk through it with them, which yeah. is part of being a coach and part of their, their sort of learning. Uh, their, their course of learning and, and you also learning each individual and how to manage each individual. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think I think that's a, a great way to do it. And it would it would just add something else to the whole coaching setup, wouldn't it? Yeah, I understand it's not financially viable at times. Yeah, yeah. But for, for all it would cost, maybe three times a week. Uh, yeah. And if you knew you were doing a 11 v 11 or a 9 v 9 game that day, yeah. then why not? Yeah. Bring them in to, to be yeah. the central midfielder and, and specifically yeah. be asked to focus on the wider players in his team or mm. else the, the two opposition midfielders against him, who he's, he's yeah. up against. Yeah. Well, then you have to train and your video analysis is. Okay, this is the points I'm making because you're focusing on two individual players. It's, yeah. I think it could work. But I, I, I agree with you because you can see there, as you said, you can look at it, the video analysis and you can look at it at a different angle. But actually, you can you can take it back and with the player on the park and say, this is how it feels, isn't it, on the park? And you should be here's where you should be going, and you just got a different, total different approach. The, the, Don, the biggest thing is the video doesn't lie. Aye, it doesn't yeah. lie. Yeah. You know? That's so true. And how long How long were you at St Johnston for, Pia? I spent uh, 10 years. Uh, 10 years at St Johnston uh, from 2001 to 2011. You must have liked it then. Loved it, mate. I, I, I generally loved it. Uh, a great family club. Uh, we had, had a promotion there. We won the championship there back in the Premier League. Played a fair bit in the Premier League. Uh, I had a right, right few injuries there, to be fair. Yeah. Uh, which I, there's nothing much I could do about, you know, my knee, uh, foot and things like that. Uh, but no, I, I had a fantastic time there. I still got a, a lot of love for the club to, to this day and always checking how they're getting on and uh, give, give the chairman a wee text or, and give the board members, you know, a wee, a wee text just to, to let them know I'm thinking of them because I, I did spend a lot of time with them and they were very, very good to me when maybe other clubs wouldn't have been as good through injuries, but they, they stood by me in, in a number of occasions. Because even now, when you said that ten years, isn't it? It's, it's especially nowadays. It's it's quite unusual for a player to stay at a club for a long period. You notice that, I suppose. Now you're you're going into the, the business side of it and the agency side of it and the consultancy side of it. Then, do you think the game has changed in terms of of that time periods where players stay at clubs? And do you think that's a good or bad thing, really? I think it is. I think it's. It is changing, Don, but I think it's changing for a reason because in Scotland, look, after a contract runs out, maybe a lot of the contracts are only one-year contracts. Yeah. So they may be going, you know what? I'm going to leave here because I'm getting a two-year contract 
but 100 quid a week less, but I'm getting the extra year security. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it adds up that it's more than what you're going to get for the extra year, although the team might not be as good. Uh, it's, it's, I think it all comes down to finances at the end of the day. Uh, what, what clubs can afford, length of contract, uh, out with the old firm, a, a, a club might nick a cup. You know, like St. Johnson win the League Cup there. They, they might nick a wee cup or a cup final appearance. Uh, so it's no for ambition purposes as in medals, but it, it's financially and and again we spoke with security. Uh, it, it, that's a, a big part of playing it, uh, especially with clubs fluctuating. One year they could be third, the next year they could be the relegation playoffs. I think you know what you're touching on there, where as I see the, the you know the reality, and you know the reality for the majority of players, isn't it? It's a football is a very insecure, you know, career, and you know a lot of people think it's it's uh, looking in from the outside, everything's just brilliant, isn't it? Everything's highly paid and this, but the security and with a footballer, do you think that affects a lot of footballers that they don't know, you know, that where they're going to go the next season? I, th I think it does. I think it does. When you've only signed a year contract, and for example, you get injured the first six mm. months, you're you're playing a, a new contract mm. in the space of three months. Yes. Well, you probably come back and not fire all cylinders in the three months. Yeah. If you've got a long term contract, as in a long term nowadays, we've got mm. three year contract. Yeah. You got a two year contract to be. Mm. Uh, you've got to be. A bit of comfort knowing that you've got the, the, the fallback of security. If you don't perform for the first six months, or you do get injured, oh, I've got I've got another eighteen month there. I'll I'll hit the ground running six months. Then I'll win back in pre-season and hit the ground running again and, and try and get goals. Before you know it, at Christmas time, November time, they're offering a brand new deal because in the January you can sign a pre-contract elsewhere. Yeah, so a lot of people think there's a lot of thought to it. It is. It is. And that's a, you're, you know it's a it's a great point in in terms of working everything out, isn't it? Because if you've only got a few months, then I think this the whole pre-contract things is is has been a huge change. And from St Johnston, what was your where was your next club after that? Where did you? Uh, I went to Greenock Morton. I signed oh. a two-year deal at Greenock Morton. Oh, sorry, a one-year deal. One-year one deal at Greenock Morton. Uh, but I spent two years. Uh, yeah. I signed again. Uh, in the end of the season. So I had two good years at Morton. Uh, I think I scored thirty goals in the, in the two year oh. I was there, uh, fifty two appearances. So it was a good, it was a good two year. Uh, and uh, again, moving on from Morton, I, I signed with uh, I signed with Dundee. Yeah. Which with Bomber. Okay. Bob. The manager of Dundee at the yeah. time. Uh, I told this another, another podcast where it was a chance meeting at a, a funeral. Uh, oh. I don't know if you remember Irene and Tiny, the, the kitchen okay. staff. Yeah. Yeah. Irene passed away. Yeah. It was at Irene's funeral. God rest her. Yeah. Uh, and I threw it to Bomber. He was chatting away and I said to him, are you looking for a striker? He's done deep in the Premier League at the time. Mm. Uh, I think it was Rangers get put into his League 2 and Dundee get put up. Mm. But Dundee had bought all the players for the championship to mm. survive in the championship and no Premier League players. So he says, yeah. I said, I'm up for it. He says, I'll get back to you. He said, you free? I said, I, said, I will be. But it was tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. So that the the next five games, six games, Bomber is people come to watch me. I think he'd a mate uh, had his brother, I'm sure, mm. uh, a couple of times a scout and Bomber himself. And I think I scored 
I don't know, Jane, it was like 10 goals in like four games. It's leading up to that. Thing. So in, in the six games he watched me, I think I scored like five goals or six goals. Uh, so he told me he wanted to sign me. This was the early doors in the match. It was just waiting. He said, no matter what league we're in, I want you. If it's a Premier League or the Championship, it's irrelevant. I, I want you. So that was a game we talked about comfort. So I knew the comfort of of going in the, my next move. And before you knew it, I'd been up there and met him in a coffee shop. And he says to me, he said, I've not got any old school left of me. I said, I don't shout and ball anymore, this and that. And I was like, oh, right. Uh, you know, I'm, and I was 30, 33 at the time. Yeah. You're 15 years too late for me. <laughs> and, uh, and sure enough, when I went in there, he, he was absolutely amazing. He, his training was outstanding, as it always was. Yeah. Uh, he's, he didn't shout and ball. You know, he, he made a point. You didn't like it. He would just say, F off, off the pitch. Yeah. See you later, go and get changed. That's just the way it old, mm. you know, and you didn't mess with him. Uh, so I'd signed a, a year there and we, we won the, the championship. Mm. Uh, and that was a good year for me. I, I got nominated for, for PFA Player of the Year at 34 years old, which was okay. a, a fairly good achievement. Uh, so it was, it was good. And Bomber had left in the February. He was trying to plan for the, the following season. And Brinkley is in the January, and yeah. he kept saying no, no, no. But unknown, Paul Hartley had resigned. Mm. Was there a tap up? I don't know. But it sounds it, and the look at it, there was. So Bomber went in. I don't know if he resigned or whatever, but he left. Mm. And uh, Paul Hartley came in and led us away to the end of the season when we won the game victorious. But yeah. as soon as we won that game, I, I went into my phone straight away with a league title. And I said to one of the boys, take a photo, and I had the, I had the trophy like that, and I just sent it to him. I said, that's for you, Bomber. Thanks for everything. Brilliant. And he takes me back. Absolutely love it, son. Thank you. So oh. it was uh, just a wee bit of uh, uh, gratitude. Yeah. It was due, you know, because he's, he, he's had a big part of my, my football career. Five years at Rangers, then the, the year and a half, the year at Dundee. Yeah. So, I think, because that's what I was going to ask you, because that's a... I don't think it happens that often, is it, that someone comes almost, you've known someone when you were young and it's had a big influence, you're there, and then you're going back and he's your manager at coach when you're 33, 34 there. And that must be, you know, that's a long association with with him, isn't it? It is, it is. You know, and I'd played against him and he was manager of the other team, you know, yeah. he was played for a bit and... Things like that. So I played against his teams then, and I would always speak to him. I always speak to him yeah. at Ibrox if I was going to Ibrox or wherever I see him out, you know. Uh, and it, it, to this day, I'm still dropping the odd text. Yeah. Uh, I think it's just that he will always have a, a big part to, to play as, as, in my life as well as John McGregor did. Yeah. Uh, again, it was the upbringing. I think it, it's they've instilled into something into me which has stood me all this time right through until I've retired and I think I will actually even take it in my, my work life well, because yeah. I, you, don't, you don't work, you don't you don't earn the right to, to anything. Okay. I think uh, I did, I just did a, a podcast last week myself speaking because I was doing something about, and it was about measuring success as a coach and I think you've you've just described such a, a great example of it, isn't it? Especially as a youth coach, how do you manage success and 
sometimes the players you're coaching, their success is away in the future, but you never know the impact you've had on them. You know, yeah. and you've just told a great story there, really, about Balmer and John McGregor, the influence they had on you. Massive, absolutely. And I'm not the only one. Uh, yeah. We've got a group chat on WhatsApp for all the boys from 95 to 2000, the Rangers, who I was with. There's probably 40 on it. Obviously, some boys only stayed for two years, some stayed right through uh, for five years. And we get a good a good chat on it. And the, the group chat's called Sons of Bomber, believe it or not. Is it? <laughs> yeah, and, uh, we, all, we, we, we all speak about it, how we had a big part to play to, from from getting there as a kid. You know, the, 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 the strict... The strictness that you know they didn't suffer fools. It, it was just it was a good time to be yeah. be a kid growing up at Rangers. Yeah, sounds brilliant. See, here's a question, Piso. Did you did you always live to the very end? I suppose, and it's not that long ago, last summer, the ball hitting the back of the net. Was it always the same feeling? Always the same feeling. Always, it's the best feeling. Best feeling in the world. Yeah. Uh, nothing compares to it. To be honest. Uh, even playing when I went to East Stirling in the Lone League, yeah. there was there was nothing compares to it. Uh, you're, you're playing in front of eighty people, hundred people, you know. But it's that factor. You you're training a couple of days a week. End product is a game in it, and yeah. getting three points, and and you've helped with again just doing enough. Shite, pardon me, we shite the game. <laughs> oh, I'm all right. I've scored. I popped that. <laughs> so, so that's not left me. <laughs> It's that great thing, and that's what makes football such a great game, isn't it? You know, in, in, in a lot of ways, it doesn't matter where you're playing or what you're doing. The emotions through playing and winning and losing and competing and the emotions of, of watching it happen are all the same for all of us, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and, and it's the fact that the emotions, your career's so short. Yeah. You, you know, and I still remember my first day walking into Ibrooks uh, yeah. and to my last day, Retiring, which was due to yeah. COVID, really, but I knew yeah. I remember my last training session yeah. still. It goes in so quick, and you, you, you take things for granted, uh, just that you're never going to get old. You know, no, I'm, and I'm, I'm wanting to speak a little bit about your work you're doing just now. So, just to kind of wrap up your playing kind of story, if, if you had any, it's that classic question, isn't it? If you had any advice to a young player coming through. Just now, we're just starting off at 15, 16, or you know, going through there. What would you be saying to them? And you, I'm sure you'll be you're doing this in your work. What's the advice you give players? From from my personal mistakes, mm. uh, I I did give my all in training and I did in the games, and but my diet wasn't great. Uh, I, I wasn't. I liked a a, a rolling sausage, a, a cheeseburger, which nowadays there's more education on it. But back then. There wasn't as much education on it. Although it was wrong, you knew it was wrong, but I didn't really care. I was 16. Could eat what could could eat what I wanted, and I did. If I had someone on me more regarding the nutrition side of things, because I never really got proper fit, and I'm talking about really fit until yeah. I was 27, and it was uh, until I started working with Craig Flanagan. Uh, yeah. It was the first team. I Flanagan. Yeah. Flanagan at, at Rangers. Uh, but he was there at St. Johnson. Then McInnes brought him into St. Johnson, Flanny. Uh, and it wasn't until then I started walking through it with him through pre-season, through an injury, I mean, and I was like, I started getting better and better and better and better and better. And it was, I got hard to get fitter, even pull-ups and press-ups were just becoming easier. 
And that was something I wish I'd instilled in myself, diet and nutrition, you know, and because it's a big, big thing now, especially with an elite sport now, the sacrifices you need to make to, to be the best. Your, your body fat's got to be ripped, you've got to be low. The less body fat, the less weight you're carrying, allows you to get about the pitch better, lets you recover better. You know, there will be time to go and have a, a burger in that when you're at the end of the season. Mm. Or, you know, you can live for a week or doing what you want, then you're back into the pre-season sort of stuff. But don't have any regrets. That's my biggest one. Mm. I advise you to listen to your coaches, whether you think they're right or wrong, listen to them, take on board what they've got to say, and get as fit and be as much an athlete as possible. Great. I think that's great advice, because that's one of the things about the fitness and the nutrition. It's... You know, it's it's not difficult to do. It's not always easy to apply yourself, but it's simple principles, isn't it? When it comes down to it, it's like playing, isn't it? A lot of the times, it's executing things really well. And was it a difficult? I know it was just last summer. Was it a difficult decision to hang up your boots for you? It was uh, because I, I I love football, and that's all I've ever known, really. Yeah. Uh, but I knew the time was coming because. I've been playing what part time for since I was thirty five. That would be my fourth year at it. I was doing the the SFA performance school. Mm. I was doing the Rangers Academy mm. coaching, and I was still playing. So yeah. the only night I actually had off was a Monday night <laughs> because the Saturday I was in at Murray Park. Saturday afternoon my game. Sunday in at Murray Park and away from home for the game. Mm. And Monday was my only night off for my family and kids. So. I haven't taken the decision to retire, spend a wee bit more time with the, the family. Uh, but unknown, I was going to be leaving the academy in the SFA performance school environment, uh, which was was tough to do. But again, if I didn't do it, because the, the academy is zero over contracts on both fronts. So if you're not working, you're, yeah. you're, you're not earning. Yeah. And fortunate enough, I made the decision to join CA base and... Yeah. and and a week later, we went into lockdown. But I, I do miss the the, the football. Uh, I, I can't lie. I miss the dressing room environment. I miss the, the part-time coaching staff that you see, Gary Gibson, boys like that. And I, I've always have a, a long-term friendship with them all. Uh, I like to think they'll still be friends with me going forward. Uh, and it's a place or a, a job that I, I hopefully one day will go back to. But at the moment, I'm, I've moved into this new role and I'm going to see what that brings to me. And tell us a little bit about the role, because I know, you know, anyone I speak to always speaks highly of, of the base organisation and what you do for players. So tell me a little bit about what you do with that. Well, it, it was base soccer first. Uh, we were bought over by CAA, yeah. uh, American company, uh, almost a year ago, uh, which took us to another level. Uh, the American company had all the actors and creative artists agency, the actors, singers, yeah. NFL, basketball, yeah. but they didn't have the soccer side, as they call it. So they thought the next best thing is they probably did, did was Space, who are a massive company in their own right, a rescue mm. company, did things right. So they did their due diligence and before you know it, take over. That's when I get approached to come in in the February. Brilliant. Uh, and it's my, my role is to identify the up and coming coming talent uh, that's coming through Scotland or even even out with. Uh, use my, my my contacts. I've got a, a, playing the game. I've got a long list of contacts that I've met through the years. I I, I playing. Use them to 
to your advantage. Uh, but first and foremost, get a sort of build my own portfolio, a small portfolio mm. of clients as well. No 20, don't, don't take 20 on because 20 can't manage. Take five or six mm. and, and see how you, you, you go with them. Uh, and But we work on a, a thing right through the company. It's uh, only the best. Mm. There's no point playing a numbers game, taking 40 boys on, like I said. It's the best ones at that time. You take the ones that you think are going to go and make a career, you know, but it's it, we're in it for the long haul. It's not a short run. We, we'd like to run with the, the kid from 16 to he retires, then he's into management, then we've done, and we've done it with, with, oh, yeah. with people, you know. Uh, so that's the sort of thing that you, I'm looking at to, to do. That's been just over a year since I, since I started. Do you think the because because you, you're in the perfect position? I said to you earlier, I really think like someone like yourself because you're so close that you can feel that emotion. You know that experience. You're not that far away from playing. So I think that's just a great place to be when when you're advising and working with young players because you know I suppose you're you're very empathetic to it. Do you think the challenges to young players now are different? To when you were coming through, yeah, I think I definitely think they they, they are. Uh, I think the challenges when we had, you know, and I'll, and I'll give an example coming through Rangers because that's what I know and watch the, mm. the structure I was through. Uh, academies are different mm. uh, to the way we were. I think with the academies, and if you can shoot me down, Don. MDLs listening to this can shoot me down, but I think we, there, there's got to be an, uh, how you say it, you've got to tell someone when they're not doing something right. Mm. There's a way of doing it. There can't mm-hmm. just be shooting and balling like yeah. it was in the old day. But if you tell a kid you can't do something right, yet tell him. So he does a Cruyff turn and another Cruyff turn, mm-hmm. goes to the byline and can play his mate in, but there's another Cruyff turn mm-hmm. and loses the ball. You've got to tell him, get the, 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 the the message over where, right, great, great Cruyff turn, mm. but was it the right decision at the end? Yeah. Then ask him, get the answer for him. What was it, the right decision? Well, I thought it was the right decision. So then you've got a, you've got a debate here. Yeah. Right, the, the right decision was a pass inside, mm. but a lot of the time, coaches don't tell the kid that it was the wrong decision, and I think it's fear of. Uh, Confrontation, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. You know, yeah. Nowadays, the, the, the parent maybe coming in. Oh, you. Mm. So you say to my son, you know, I, I don't shout at kids. Mm. It's, it's not right. I don't believe in it. I get shouted mm. at, and I, I, I try and change the way I coached and yeah. the way I spoke to kids. But he's got to learn the right decision because if mm. he keeps making the wrong decision, wrong decision, he's not going to improve. And ultimately, the game of football mm. because somebody's going to say, right, he's, he's been doing that for a year now, making the same decision. And it's a bad decision. It's the wrong decision. I think it's a, a good, a true saying. And the big Todd Lumsden said that mm. before. Uh, false praise leads to false hope. Yeah. You couldn't have nailed it anymore. Yeah. You know, you're, you're doing excellent today, son. Absolutely fantastic, outstanding. But you know, you got to the, the byline four or five times. Could you have played it in? But I tell you what, I love your energy. It's like the, the, the job of sandwich. Yeah. If you, if you give it into the job of yeah. sandwich, you can yeah. be positivity, but. Net, the, the, yeah. the, the, the bit where he maybe should have passed it in mm. then the positive bit about his energy yeah. you know, then he kicked his away a bit better yeah. but ultimately he's got to, he's got to know right for wrong in, in a football front because you're not developing no uh, 
unless you get told what is how how quickly can you learn from your mistake? Yeah. It's got to be a mistake because you don't become a football player until you've made a million mistakes. Yeah. And even to last year until I retired, I was still making mistakes and learning from. Yeah, I think that's a, I think it's just a great point because that unlike what you said, what Todd said about false praise, false hope, because someone can be thinking they're doing the right thing, but eventually that's when they get let go at some point or they come up against it and say, what am I doing wrong? Isn't it? 100% mate, but it's, it, I think it's a generation we're, we're involved in now uh, yeah. and we, we, we've created it, the yeah. environment, you know, by doing it, but it's, that's just the way I would, yeah. I would try and get things in because again, you get to the stage where you're getting maybe released. Yeah. Oh, but you said it was excellent, it was excellent, yeah. it was excellent. The parents think the reports are excellent, excellent, excellent. Yeah. There's no bit saying that what you need to work on, this and that. Yeah. Really need to work on, you know, to get the points down. Uh, but yeah. it's it's different from when, again, like you said, from when we were coming through yeah. to now. We were just told straight. Yeah. I think that's what makes the difference nowadays. And, you know, you see at the academies, is, is any of the really good coaches have that ability to get the point across still keep people on side and be honest, isn't it? That's just, that. I suppose, the fancy words, emotional intelligence, isn't it? It's a, it's to be a big advantage. Yeah. A big advantage now, going forward, then what wasn't there back in the day was, again, the video. Yeah. The video yeah. doesn't lie. So if you, if the yeah. kid thinks, oh, I did make the right decision, yeah. come on, I'll show you. Then they see yeah. it totally differently because it's on yeah. a screen. They're like, oh, right, I should have passed it there. Yeah. And the quicker you can learn from the same scenario the next time and make the right decision. Bang, there's your coaching point. That, that could take you six months. I know. But that, get, telling that kid and, and keep going on at him, wanting him. Yeah. That's that one wee bit coaching point that makes you smile as a coach. I know, it's it's it took me six months, but he's took that on board. And it's a buzz. It's yeah. an absolute buzz when they took it on board. Yeah, superb. It made you, what you were think, saying there about the decision making, I was speaking on the, the B licence last week and there was one boy on it that asked a question and he was, he was saying that he was either at Sporting Lisbon, he's coaching, or Benfica. And he said that's what they focus on. I can't remember if it was under 10 or 11 or in the youth, is decision-making. He said that everything's about decision-making. And explicitly, you know, said this is what we, we look at there and learning from it. Yeah, totally, mate. Yeah, totally. brilliant. Well, it's uh, been great speaking to you, Pizzo. And if... Anyone wants to find out about yourself or CA base, where would they go? Where would they, they find out about you on the, the internet or the interweb? Uh, uh, well, about the company, it would be ca.com. Yeah. Uh, you can have a look at the, that website, or if it's just regarding myself and yeah. things. I've got Instagram. Uh, my username is pizomac9. Okay. Uh, yeah. For Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Uh, I, I use all three. Uh, Latterly, I've just more joined Twitter, so uh, I'm I'm learning this sort of how would you say the corporate side of things. Brilliant. LinkedIn now. Yeah. So and then Instagram's just the photos that the, the, the players we've got and sharing things and just Superb. keeping things going. Uh, and also a bit about, about myself, about my Great. how I'm just a, a normal human being. I've got two boys and I'm my sister support so. And I think, you know, and I'm being serious, I think you'll you'll do really well what you're doing. and Because that's what people look for as well, isn't it? They're wanting someone to support them that is human. You know, yeah. that isn't, you know, and that's the key thing. 
I think the strength I've got over other, other agents is I've been there and done it. I've played the game and I've, I've made mistakes. Uh, and me and Elliot, as you know, Elliot Fillingham, yeah. uh, we, we, we work together closely and it's like we rub off each other well. He's very corporate, very good, the business side of things. I'm more football related and where I can actually, we're having the coaching background, I can say, I thought you played really well today. I thought, oh, I thought you maybe looked... Uh, tired or just wee things that you can help your player yeah. uh, but not to the detriment of his coaches telling him something so you, don't want, you don't want to get the two mixed up yeah. I'm only there to say what I think but what his coaches want first and foremost is what it, it should be done Great, that's a great point Well thanks very much for taking uh, the time to speak to me Piso that's been great and hopefully I'll catch up with you soon well, Thanks so much for your time, I've loved it Cheers Piso Thanks mate Cheers